have your Bibles this morning, we're going to begin in Proverbs uh, chapter 1. You see, there's a wisdom of man, uh, there's a wisdom of religion that leads to the destruction of man. You know, God says that my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And there is a wisdom of man that convinces a man and blinds mankind to the deceitfulness of sin and uh, it will allow us to forget that this is why Jesus came and why Jesus was sent uh, was to take away the sins of man so that a holy God could have a relationship with a, uh, with a blemished mankind. And so it's through the blood of Christ that we become clean. It's through the blood of Christ uh, that we're released from the bondage of sin. It's through the blood of Christ that we're able to go into the holy of holies and appreciate uh, the goodness of God. And sometimes that's not done. So I like Proverbs, um, how wisdom uh, is, is described. Um, he, he prescribes wisdom as a woman. Um, but again, understand who wisdom is. Wisdom is God. Uh, and wisdom only comes from God. And it's that spiritual wisdom that allows us to eat, to know who we are and allows us to know who, who he is. And that is granted to us by his goodness and his mercy and his grace. Because without that, uh, we cannot have that spiritual wisdom that leads to the relationship uh, that he gives us. Remember, uh, the beginning of knowledge is to fear God. And the beginning of wisdom is what? To fear God. So let's listen. Uh, wisdom shouts in the street. Uh, she lifts her voice in the square. See, when Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God, when Christ was lifted up on the cross, he says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So it's not the fact that God's not calling. The problem is we're not hearing. Okay? And, and this is how this works. If you look at the other passages of scriptures, Always remember that scripture explains scripture. You don't need man to explain it to you. There are places in scripture, if you don't understand something, I promise you it will be explained somewhere else when you're ready to hear it, uh, when the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. So in all of our busyness, in all of the stuff that we're doing, God is still calling uh, people to himself. At the entrance of the gate in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O oh, uh, naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? Don't you like it how God is kind of derogatory to us <laughs> at times? He calls us fools. Uh, he calls us unrighteous. And he calls us simple-minded. Uh, you see, when you look at things from God's perspective, uh, it really kind of humbles us. Uh, you know, we, we think we're pretty smart. Um, we think with all the technology that we've developed and everything that, you know, we pat ourselves on the back and we think, man, we, we, we really got this thing, you know. And, and God looks at us from a different perspective than, than we can see ourselves. And he calls us, you're just simple-minded, folks. You just, you just don't get it. Uh, you're not as smart as you think you are. And, uh, and his word uh, will prove that to us. And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. And fools hate knowledge. I mean, I get it. And we're talking about the knowledge of God. You see, the things that God thinks are important 
Man does not. Uh, you see, God looks at eternity as the end point. Um, you know, we look at what we can accomplish in this life. And we think that is so important, the things that we do and, 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 and make a, our impact uh, on life. Uh, where God says it's all about eternity. Where will you spend eternity? There is life after death in Christ. Um, and, and people don't realize that, that it's not all about here. It doesn't mean, like I say we talked about before, it doesn't mean you can't have dreams and plans. But it's when we take uh, the human wisdom and the human knowledge and we try to fashion out a God that doesn't exist uh, again, the Bible warns us that there will be different Jesuses preached. And when these false Jesuses are preached and people begin to believe in a false Jesus, then they will die and go to hell. It's only through that wisdom of God that we can see through the false Jesuses of this world and come to the true saving knowledge of who he is. Fools hate knowledge. Uh, they just don't. Uh, they're so arrogant. They're so self-righteous. Um, that the knowledge of God, by fearing God, you got to fear God first, and then you can gain that knowledge of who he is, and they don't like that. It says, turn to my reproof, okay? Um, you know, that's an uh, that's a, that's a expression of unapproval. Uh, wisdom of God lets us know that our hearts are wicked from youth. Uh, it lets us know that we are undone, that we're unholy, that we are sinful by nature. So when you begin to look at the wisdom of God and as it describes who we are, um, we don't like that. That's why it's not popular. That's why the scripture is not popular. That's why the books written about God are more popular. Because we take a section out and say that God is all love. Uh, God is all merciful. God is all gracious. Everyone goes to heaven. Everyone, every, just, he's just waiting there with open arms so that, um, you know, we, we'll be there. I've got proof that that's not true. I've got proof that he's just as much a wrathful God as he is a holy God. Now, his holiness directs all of the wrath. He has to be wrathful because he is holy. If he wasn't uh, wrathful, then he wouldn't be holy. You see, God hates sin, and he will never uh, compromise with sin. He'll never compromise with anyone that remains in sin uh, after they uh, come to know that truth and knowledge of who God is. Uh, Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. He's, he's telling us what he will do. Uh, if we come to him with the right heart, with the right mind, uh, with the drawing, we, we answer that call on our life and we begin to become that disciple. We begin to read scripture. He begins to give us the faith that we need uh, to continue in our belief that causes the endurance. Those that endure to the end will be saved so that we receive the Holy Spirit. We have that new birth experience that then allows us to become the children of God. You first have to become a disciple uh, and then through that discipleship, comes that new birth experience that only God um, can give us. I'll make my words known to you because I called and you refused. You see, when we don't look at scripture and we want to argue scripture and we don't just accept scripture like a child, don't you remember where the Bible says that it's only through childlike faith 
that you can come to the saving knowledge of who God is. It's not the intellect that come to the saving knowledge. Uh, it's those that have that childlike faith that believe God, believe what he says, doesn't question what he says. When God says, I have an evil heart, I don't begin to tell God about all my good deeds that I do. I accept the fact that in my nature, in the nature that I'm born with, I cannot associate with God, I cannot worship God, I cannot have anything to do with God because I am marred by sin. You see, that's what the wisdom does for us. It allows us to begin to see things as God sees them so that we can know this. He says, I called out and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. I would say today in, in the world today, no one's paying attention to what God is saying anymore. We have become so comfortable in our religions. We have become so comfortable in our denominations that we have now be, become deceived in a falseness and not the true word of God on what God is actually telling us. And you neglected my counsel. You're not, I'm counseling you. I'm telling you what it takes huh, to be my child. I'm telling you what I have to do for you, not what you do for me. You cannot please God in the flesh. First there's flesh, and flesh only begets flesh. First there's flesh and then there's spirit. You're born spiritually dead in your trespasses of sin. You see, it's amazing what the wisdom of God allows me to know. And I have to know this. And then I have to come to that conclusion, I can't do anything about this. I throw myself at the mercy of a holy God and ask him, through his discipleship, bring me to that saving knowledge of who he is. And you did not want my reproof. Understanding that it's God's correction in our lives. It's his reproof. It's him telling us that he's not pleased with us. God is not pleased with anything that we do. God is pleased with what he does and what he does within us. He's pleased with the spirit that he has put in us. When we become his child, then he is pleased with what's in us not pleased with us. I will also laugh at your calamity. See, this is, I'm going to back up what I said. God is not always there for you. God is not always there, like the religious world will tell you. And I'm going to back that up by scripture because I think if, see, this is why I tell people to throw away their devotions and throw away all those books written by men because nobody will write this. Only God writes this. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. So now there's bad things happening to you. And you're going to call on God and he's going to laugh at you. He's not going to answer your problems. He's not going to hear you because you have refused his counsel. Because you have refused his reproof. I will mock when your dread comes. Now, he's not only going to uh, uh, take no regard for you, he's going to mock you. I mean, wow, is this a side of God we haven't heard about? See, we've listened to man for so long that this loving God is, can only be loving. No, he's righteous and holy and he's wrathful and that's why he sent his son Jesus Christ is so you wouldn't perish under his wrath 
Not so you can build a big church. Not so you can go on a mission trip. Not so that you can go on and do all these good deeds. Nothing wrong with good deeds, okay? But if the heart is not right, if you haven't been born again, then your, your deeds are worthless. Your deeds will not merit anything with God. I'm going to mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm. You know, storms come up very quickly, don't it? See, we get so comfortable in life, and we think tomorrow's just going to be as good as today, or, or if it's bad, it'll be like that. We, we don't understand that when storms come, they come quickly sometimes. And unpredictable sometimes. Was it not Panama City that recently had a tornado? Do you think those people ever prepared in their lives to ever have a tornado in Panama City? There has never been a tornado in Panama City. Storms come. They're unexpected. Because you've not prepared. Don't think for one moment that God is there the moment you get in trouble when you have denied him and his word and his counsel and his reproof and all of a sudden you get in a bad way and guess what? God becomes your best buddy. It doesn't work like that. He's telling us right now that the wisdom of God, he's, go, he's going to be laughing at you when your storm comes. And your calamity will come like a whirlwind. If you're not denying yourself daily, you're not starting your day off uh, in the word of God because you're so busy, because there's so many other things that are so important. See, the problem I have with that is that when you want to go do something, you'll, you'll, you'll get out of your, your habits to do what you want to do. Huh? You want to go hunting? You know, I mean, I've been hunting before. Get up uh, early in the morning, it's cold, it's nasty, it's raining. Huh? Why? Why do that? Because that's something I wanted to do. Or go fishing or whatever. But boy, by George, don't mess up my sleep. Don't mess up my time to spend time with Almighty God. I'm telling you what, folks, he's got the answers to it all. I'm not going to promise you a better day, but I'm going to promise you you'll get through the day better. Did you hear what I said? So many people go to God to have a better day. I go to God so I can get through that day better. That he strengthens me. Gives me the, 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 the stamina to endure. To, 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 if I go through some calamity, then he, he tells me who I am. And I always go back to who I am. Not what have I accomplished or what I haven't accomplished or how I failed or not how I haven't failed. But I go to the back to the point of who am I? And in Christ, and in Christ alone, I am Him. I am in Him. And I am His. Then they will call on me and I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they're not going to find me. Because they hated the knowledge. And they did not choose to fear the Lord. I don't know how much more clear the scripture says that you better fear God. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned at my reproof. So they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be saturated with their own devices see religion is one of those devices 
Religion can only lead you to hell. You understand that? People, don't, people get very, just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It's no different with our religious denominations today. They get very angry when someone shares truth because it affects what they've been teaching. The Sadducees got mad. If you missed Sunday school this morning, the Sadducees were jealous and they got mad because God was working miracles through some untrained, uneducated uh, men. He wasn't doing it through them. They're the ones that were educated in the law. They're the ones that were educated in Moses. They were the ones that were supposed to be the authorities of God's word. But God chose to use just simple old untrained fishermen to bring his truth into the world. And they were jealous of that. You see, religion brings jealousy. When you start talking about truth and what God's word really says, then religious people become very uh, upset about that because you're affecting their destiny you're affecting what they believe it's amazing what we believe a gentleman's father has passed away and he thinks his father is looking over him and protecting him and guiding him and directing him and he bowled a perfect game on uh, Tuesday night and he said, my father helped me to do that. My father was looking over me and, and did that. And some guy said, yeah, man, your dad's really looking over you good. I'm not sure where people get this belief and idea. It's through religion, of course. Remember, religion is man's attempt to please God. The relationship is that God pleases himself through his son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. And that's where the world has so looking at religion and this is why in the end times when I stand up here and speak truth these people are going to start persecuting what I have to say and they're going to think they're doing something good for God it says that they will kill you in the end times thinking that they are doing something good for God that's how it's going to end up for those that have truth in their lives you won't be able to speak those truths um, they don't want to hear it they're comfortable in their religion. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them. Again, that's all you, that is there for you. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. Are we not in a complacent world? Are we not in a complacent world? It's amazing. Uh, a man had a heart attack at the bowling alley on Thursday night. And when the ambulance came, they stood at the front door and were talking with each other for a while. It took them, I bet, at least a minute or two to get to the man that had had a heart attack. They were complacent. We live in a world of complacency where it doesn't matter what anybody does. There seems to be no urgency for anything. Well, God is saying to us now, there better be an urgency about who you are and where you're going to spend eternity. We cannot become complacent. Even if we are children of God, we cannot become complacent about the purpose that God has given you, and that's to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, ambassadors for Christ, and be ready to share in an instance of why you have hope when God gives you that opportunity. 
But see, God can't use you, or he can use you, but he chooses probably not to use you if you're not preparing yourself. How often does Paul tell us to, to prepare ourselves? To run this race is like we're going to win the prize, even though it didn't say, but it's not about winning the prize. It's about running the race. It's about being steadfast in our faith, in our hope. And our hope is only in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he who listens to me shall live securely. We better start listening to God and we better stop listening to man. And we'll be at ease from the dread of evil. Evil is in our world. Evil is alive and well. This is Satan's domain. Things that are happening are happening because of evil. Okay? Now, our world is trying to turn evil into good. And we're trying to turn sin into what is right. God is the only one that gets to define sin. You don't get to define sin. We don't gather as a body of believers and decide what is sin. We simply listen to God. God spells out very clearly what sin is. But he clear, spells out more clearly of why you sin. Religion wants to focus on sin. God wants to focus on why you sin. And fix why you sin. He wants to free you from the bondage of sin. He wants to cleanse you from sin. He wants to sanctify you and begin to build you up where his workmanship bought for his good pleasure. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. You're the temple of God. See, this is where all the passive scriptures come together. You have to read them all. Your devotions will never, your little devotion books will never get into the truth of God. They make you feel good about your religion is what they do. And they explain under there all this stuff. I don't have a problem you reading those things. But if you're not opening up your scripture to make sure. Because they take a lot of things out of context. Open up that word of God to where your devotion leads you and read that whole chapter. And then read where God leads you to explain what it really means. See, we live in a world of complacency. We just want people to tell us what to believe. We, wanna, we want people to just do it all for us. We live in a world and we're raising up a generation that just wants it all done for them. You tell me what to believe. You tell me how I feel. Instead of listening to the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 3. And begin in verse 13. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? And again, we talked about last week that you can have a zeal for God, but it's misdirected. So see, you have to define here what good is. When God said there's no one good, no, not one, then therefore we have to understand that nothing we do is good. God is, says, I am the only one that's good. And I want to do a good thing in you. I want to put my spirit in you. That has to happen through the new birth experience. No one can define that. Jesus couldn't define that. It's like the wind. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. But by George you'll know when it's been there. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness. You are blessed. And do not fear their intimidations. And do not be troubled. 
So doing what's right, not what God says is right, is going to cause conflict in your life. You cannot get along with this world living righteously. Not that you're to go out and cause trouble because you have a misdirected zeal from God. We talked about that last week, remember? These religious people have a zeal for God, but no truth or no knowledge of God. They just have a zeal for God like Paul had, which was misdirected, and it makes them go out and do foolish things for God that God never intended them to do. This is talking having a, a zeal for what is good, that is the goodness of God, the work of God. Huh? That's what our zeal should be for now, is for his will, to do his work through us. Not we don't do it for him, he does his own work through us. And we have to understand that. Um, do not fear, their intimidation be troubled, but sanctify Christ as your, as your Lord. In other words, set him apart as your Lord in your hearts. He's to first, take first place in our lives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Not just on Sunday. Not just that hour. Maybe some people are real good and they come two hours. And you got these really great people that will actually come on Wednesday night. Oh my gosh. And you got some that will actually get up in the morning and, and, and read God's word. Oh my goodness. Sanctify him. Set him apart. Make him the focal point of your life, the importance of your life, so that your life and whatever you do is directed so that you are waiting for that opportunity to be able to share. It's not so much about what you're doing. It's about the opportunities that God gives us in our daily work. It's amazing the people in the exam rooms over the last uh, year or so that have come in and, and had spiritual questions. And we're, hey, this is about, I'm, I'm a better name. I'm, I'm taking care of your dog. And then they want to ask about spiritual questions. That's not an accident. God doesn't care that I'm a veterinarian. God cares that I'm a child of God ready to share while I have hope. Because there's a lost world and he's drawing people to himself. And if we're not ready and taking on that responsibility that God gives us to share that hope. Always being ready. Oh, here, got me. How about that? Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account. Did you, did you get that? They have to ask you. Huh? Don't be that religious nut out there that's going around and telling everybody about Jesus and this fake Jesus that's out there. But God says, I'm going to go before you. I'll work in someone else's life. They will ask you. And when they ask you, you be ready for that, to give that defense. You see how religion turns everything around? Religion is you working for God. The relationship is God says, hey, look, I'm going to go before you. I'll bring that person to you, and I expect you to be ready to give a defense of why you have hope in this world. Um, to give an account for the hope that is in you and you do it with what? Gentleness. Be kind. Because, you see, the reason I can be kind is because I realize what I've been 
saved from. I, I realize what I am. God has shown me what I am, and when someone comes, then I can have the compassion and love to share in gentleness. But it wasn't just gentleness. Did you catch the next part? Reverence. Do you have a holy respect for God's word? Do you have a holy respect for what he has done in your life? And keep a good conscience so that in the thing which you are slandered, those who revile in your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. This works, folks. I, I have experienced this personally. We had a veterinarian that worked for us that wanted to get out of her contract, and her mother told her, well, the best way to get out of your contract is to find something against them, and then they'll settle out of court. So she, we got a letter from a lawyer, and she sued us, Dr. Ecker and I, for sexual harassment. And then they wanted to know if we wanted to settle out of court. And the settlement out of court um, was to let her out of her non-compete agreement. I went to the Lord. Lord, is there anything against me? Have I, have I wronged anybody? Have I done something? And his word to me was no. I went back to the Lord and said, bring it on. She went and she called all of our former employees, women employees that she could. Nobody could back her up, would back her up. She called all of our employees that we had. They, they would not back her up. So she found herself in a dilemma. She had a case here and I was ready to go to court. I said, we're going to court. You're going to have to prove this. Well, she backs up and ends up paying our lawyer fees, paying us a sum of money to get out of her non-compete agreement. This works, folks. I'm not saying I'm good. I'm only good because of what God has done for me. And that period of time in my life, I was seeking that goodness, and I still am, but I, at that time in my life, I was seeking the goodness of God, trying to do everything that I did for Him he honored his word. He didn't honor me. You have to understand that. It wasn't anything about me. It was God honoring this truth of his word. They made themselves look like fools. See, if we are who we say we are and we apply the principles of God in our lives and we keep that clean conscious, God's word will protect us. Then he goes on to say, for it's better if God should will it that you should suffer and we did suffer during that time um, because of our character our character was being attacked uh, not my character but I represent Christ and it was the character of Christ and so when I try to live my life as Christ calls me to live I'm representing him so when someone slanders me they're not slandering me but they're slandering the God that I serve See, we don't, we don't see it that way, do we? We don't see past the physical. There's a spiritualness thou as a child of God that when they slander you, they're not slandering you, they're slandering God. But God willeth to suffer for doing what is right rather than what is doing wrong. See, here's where it's amazing. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. So, it's amazing. Christ did what was righteous. He did what God told him to do. And yet he suffered. 
By being obedient to God, he suffered. The righteousness of God will, in this physical world, will cause us to suffer. Because this world doesn't understand and can't understand anything about God. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. Why? What was Jesus' purpose? It was not for us to worship Jesus, but as us to worship God through Jesus. I am the door, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. So when you start worshiping Jesus, you've misdirected the purpose of Jesus. Jesus was just a mere servant. Yes, he was the son of God. Don't, I'm not taking that from him. Yes, he was given all authority by God. But he had a purpose. And his purpose was to bring us to God. Okay? Not to, not, not to set up a temple for him. Not to set up him as a God to be worshipped. But it was to lead us to God through him. It's through him that we have that right to come to the Holy Holies. It's through him that I have the right to come and worship him. I have this privilege that he has given me to come and worship him. I have an opportunity and a privilege to live my life for him. Because through Christ, he has brought me to God, to himself. So he put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. I don't have a lot of time left. But I don't think that we really understand what happened on the cross. When Jesus became sin, God forsook him. And he went to hell for three days. For the first time in Jesus' life, he was dead spiritually. Nobody really understands that, do they? Jesus Christ was dead spiritually how do I know that because you're born dead in your trespasses of sin so when he became sin God had to forsake him because of his holiness this is why the resurrection is so important when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by God it not only proved that that sinless life he accepted that as as the payment for our sins but he quickened Christ back to life that's why it says you're buried with Christ, raised to walk in the newness of life. Huh? If you're going to be a part of his death, then we're a part of his resurrection. That new birth gives us that new life. Gives us that new spirit. Helps us to begin to see things as God sees them. Wow. What an amazing God we have and to love me in spite of who I am.